0: I've got several projects going. I, I work in colored paper and I work in, uh, with markers. I'm starting to work in color because I've always worked in black and white. And now I'm retired and I have all this time and I'm, th- I do different stuff. I got a pastel board over here with pastel drawings. And, you know, I, I'm just kind of throwing like I, like, like what I did for Love and Rockets. I just did scattered shot at everything, see what sticks. Everybody's asked, you know, none of your, I'm not, I don't have a linear thing like my brothers do. You know, they have a, a universe that they go through. I have always thought I'm going to do stuff that people aren't doing right now. I'm not going to do vampires. I'm not going to do whatever. <laughs> I decided uh, I'm just going to do whatever, you know, strikes me. And a lot of stuff was from, uh, based on stuff that was on the news. A lot of my stories, my, my story, uh, uh, me for the unknown. The first time they tried to blow up the world trade center from the basement. And, uh, It just struck me. I watched on the news and they're saying there's still like 95 people missing. And I go, how do you miss? Or do you go like, hey, they're going to think I'm dead. I'm out of here. You know, I'm I'm in debt. I don't have that, you know, and it just kind of struck me. I go, wow, I bet you a lot of people disappear that way, you know, and just go away and start new lives, maybe lucky, lucky or not or whatever. I don't know. And it just kind of uh, went from there, kind of just thinking like, why would somebody do that, you know, and, and what would set them off and all that. But then it turned into this big adventure yarn, which I love doing. And, uh,
1: <laughs> of, of all the reactions of all the places for your mind to go. Yeah. Why did it go there?
0: I, uh, it just made, it just made for an interesting, uh, an interesting story. I, I can't, I, like a lot of times I have stories that are just sitting in, in, in the back of my mind, or I've got. Drawings and stuff and ideas in, in envelopes. And every once in a while, uh, something like this will happen on the news or something. And I'll go, oh, that'll fit right in this story right here. That's how I did uh, Citizen Rex. I uh, I just, uh, you know, they, everybody was all worried about AI and stuff. And I go, if there was real AI, it would be so commercialized. And so like the first robot guy, he'd be a celebrity, you know, and just like I put him in the book, you know. <laughs> so."
1: <clears throat> when you were working full time, did the stuff just sort of, did it pile up?
0: Oh, my, oh, you mean my, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, you know, um, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, just working on this stuff uh, after working all day was, uh, you know, I was, I was still young enough to have a little bit of energy for that, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm not a two job kind of person. <laughs> I could never have two jobs. I tried it and it, I failed every time. Uh, the, and that's what, well, anyway, the, the work became a job and I, and I just had to, to get away from it. So
1: I learned that uh, pretty quickly that mm-hmm. that's what your early twenties are for. Your early, yeah. your early twenties are for working and then, and then going home and then, then working some more.
0: Oh, and having the chutzpah to, to uh, put out a book on your own, you know, it's just like, sure. Why not? You know, let's, let's, let's just, you know, throw it, let's, let's, uh, let's have a show, you know, let's put on a show. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, it helps when you've got two brothers who are also very into it too. I assume the three of you were kind of egging each other on to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just thought, you know, no, there's just no way we, we have another five to 10 years to wait for these guys to break out. So I thought, let's do, let's do this now, you know, and, uh, and just, you know, take it from there. And the rest is nice history.
1: It's obvious in, in hindsight, but what did breaking out look like to you at the time?
0: It was really exciting because, you know, it's nice to have people paying attention, you know, <laughs> to you and telling you your, your, your work is nice and stuff. You know, I mean, one of the first people we met going to these conventions, we I think it was in Los Angeles way back. And uh, we met Harvey Kurtzman and, and we were and we were all on this on the search for Gary Groth. And, uh, so we all just bundled together and just kind of went around the con looking for Gary Grout with Harvey Kurtzman. He looked at our work and said, Oh, this looks very promising. Da, 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 da. It was really nice. You know, there was, there was always some, somebody saying something nice every once in a while, but still nobody wanted to publish. Nobody at the time, it was just us selling it through the mail and, and everything. And because everybody was confused, they go like, Well, you know, there's not enough nudity. There's not enough this and that. I don't know. They just picked it apart, you know, and it's kind of disconcerting, man. And so we, but we didn't give up, and and a lot of people, you know, including Gary, got very excited about it. You know, it was all timing. It was all timing.
1: I, I will say about the you know about the Kurtzman thing that that never gets old. People who you really look up to or whose work you really expect paying you a compliment never gets old. Oh yeah,
0: are you kidding? You know, and being there and just talking like guys together you know it wasn't like he was like well i'm harvey kurtzman and i'm gonna follow you know whatever you know he was just real down-to-earth guy so and most most of these guys were too. kirby i met kirby man well wow, man i be turned i became a little tiny boy uh when i met him, when i met him <laughs> he was the only he's the only celebrity i've ever been uh, gobs, gobsmacked by
1: what did you say to kirby uh,
0: i shook his hand and i go You're responsible for me. And he laughed. He laughed and he (laughs) apologized. And he goes, I'm responsible for a lot of things. And his wife was standing behind him and she starts cracking up. It was nice. I mean, you know, I I just didn't know what to say. Uh, But, uh, you know, and I've met everybody. I've met Tezuka. I've met Bray Bradbury. I've met a bunch of people. And I've told, and I spoke to him, you know, plainly. It was nice. But, uh, you know, but it didn't make me nervous or anything. I don't know. But Kirby, oh, man. I mean, you know, he invented comics, so what the (laughs) hey.
1: There's a handful of people. I mean, honestly, you know, everyone you name, you know, Tezuka certainly fits in that list for me of people who it's hard to reconcile the fact that they're, you know, actual humans walking on this earth with
0: with the work they create. I went to a uh, I've gone to film festivals where they had cartoons that he did that weren't. Uh, you know, anime t- style stuff, and they were funny, and they were clever, and and inventive. And then, uh oh, there was a show in San Francisco at, at the museums there, uh, one at the, uh, the Asian Museum, and it was of all of his work. I didn't even know half the stuff that he did. Oh my gosh, what a true Renaissance man! He was a doctor, he was a scientist, and all this other stuff. And then he did all jillions, you know, of pages of comics, <laughs> you know. So I don't know, some to aspire to for all you youngsters.
1: <laughs> I heard some some variations, you know, on the kind of the early days and, and how everything came together. And I didn't realize, or maybe I'd forgotten, I didn't realize that the three of you were really going out of your way to find Gary to get published. I I, I guess I never really understood no, what.
0: Well, the, the the whole idea was okay. The the, the what do you call it? Uh, t- Comics Journal. Uh, they hate everything. So. That is still to this day. Right to the source, man. Let's just go right to the bad guy, and then let's see what happens. You know, <laughs> we probably would have got rejected from any anybody else anyway. Yeah,
1: it's like it's like talking to the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so you went to the convention in Los Angeles, and you sought him out. I assume that you found him there and gave him your well, yeah, comments? yeah, because
0: we had talked on the phone and stuff, and he wanted to. You know, he wanted to publish us, and we 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 had no idea. We had no business acumen or anything, and uh, I still don't. But uh, the they, uh, uh, you know, everything. The rest is kind of history. He he was very interested in starting a publishing books. You know, on that that he would like to see, and we were hot, especially Gilbert, who said, "I'm going to make comics that need to be seen. I don't care if you know it's not topical or whatever. You know." I this let's, let's do stuff that, that we want to read, that we would want to read.
1: Looking at the landscape in hindsight, it seems like there was a bit of, I guess a dry spell, you know, obviously all of the, um, sixties and seventies crumb stuff had happened. And a lot of that sort of slowed down by the time you guys came along.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, but there was still some leftover stuff because, uh, there was, when I moved to San Francisco in 88, I believe, um, there was still a lot of guys still around, uh, Spain Rodriguez and, uh, and, uh, uh oh gosh, uh checkered demon, you know Clay Wilson, and there was still a lot of people around, and then there was some young younger cartoonists Jay like Lynch me. yeah and yeah, you know, and they were all still living in the in the area, and we all were putting out comics and uh it was still a little bit of a scene going, but then you know uh the independent movement started uh like I said, it was all timing uh it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened uh, ten years earlier uh you know, uh, because independent publishing was just not, you know, you did fanzines this is why we made our own book. Cause I was still in the fanzine mode. I thought, Oh, you know, nobody's publishing somebody else. That's, that's an amateur. You do your own stuff, you know, but then, you know, this, this little, this small press start, stuff started again. And, uh, and it took off in the eighties, eighties uh, and, uh, Nineties were just just nuts with them, you know.
1: Having talked to Jaime and Gilbert, I get the sense that they didn't have much in the way of expectations when they started. But the way you describe it, it sounds like you you're very keenly aware that oh, both of them were men? rocket ships.
0: Yeah, right away. I go even with. I wanted him to go further with that, but you know, mm-hmm. it's their work. Uh, no, it. it I, I just I didn't realize Jaime's talent. And his imagination, but Gilbert's imagination and talent. Gilbert is the Picasso of the family. He's he's up here compared, even Jaime, Sorry, he's he's the guy that's got so many ideas and not enough life, you know. This kind of thing. Jaime, he struggles to do his, to his strip. That's that's his life right there. Don't make him do anything else. He like he loves that universe, and that's what he does. And uh, you know, and Gilbert, he's willing to just stretch out and go all over the place. And nine times out of ten, things are it's, it's still pretty damn good, you know. Uh,
1: That's certainly a fair assessment. And and Gilbert with the the Palomar stuff, I mean, talk about you know one of the great world building exercises in comics. But Jaime's, I mean, I think Jaime's arguably one of the best.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: artists illustrators why? out
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always talk about that. They, they put out those big books, they're $200 books of like original art and the
1: artist art. edition. Yeah.
0: yeah. And they put, they take these things and a lot of them are really interesting because you see notations and corrections and all this stuff, but in Haima's work, <laughs> what you see, if you, if you see white out in there, you get a prize, you know, <laughs> that's the way he works, you know, it's just so clean. And uh, anyway, and it's art. you know, and it's, here to here to there, you know, to on the page, left-handed.
1: <laughs> what were your personal ambitions in those days?
0: Me just to get a job, um, <laughs> a regular, a regular paying job. We were, we no, were not all, in you know, comics. No, not in comics. Just, uh, to, just to, to pay bills and stuff. I was married and I did have a job, but I, you know, you, you, I'm trying to strive, you know, at the time and the boys, they were trying to just get, get, get out of the, being janitors, you know? And, uh, and I just thought, well, maybe I can help them by doing this for them, you know, uh, with, by helping them along anyway. And, uh, it, uh, it, like I said, it turned out, it was a little bit of an adventure, but, uh, it got printed and people saw it and, and the rest, you know, and, and and things got, you know, uh, taken care of from there.
1: Looking at the the earliest strips in the, in this new collection that's coming out, you Mm -hmm you had very strong involvement in those days, you know, particularly with the collaborations with a lot of the storytelling.
0: Yeah. 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 Cause a lot of times Gilbert, you know, he would be like, I'd look, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm in Palomar. Do you have a story I can do, you know, to fill five pages or 10 pages or something? And so, you know, he did the stigmata thing with one of, one of those, which really got me because I, I gave him a story with no characterization really, or anything that just said, this person picks up these packages at the thing, and then they go to the bathroom, and then they go see this old lady, you know. And it was just A, B, C, D, you know, plot. And then at the end, there's a riot, da da da. And he took it home, and he turned it into that. It was like rubbing the genie in the lamp, man. And then you get back a really cool thing, and that's even better than what you you imagined, you know.
1: <laughs> you allude to this, and they did too. That a lot of what the three of you were working toward was moving beyond the. Sort of the very obvious, you know, specific genre comics. that it Yeah,
0: we, we were already bored of superheroes and even science fiction, even.
1: That's what I was going to ask is because, like, there, there's a lot of science fiction in those early strips. It's very yeah. present.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that was just us trying to push it, you know, m- m- make it uh, uh, get your attention, you know. Mm. But as soon as they, as soon as the people, it did get the attention, that's when they switched and they said, okay, this is what we really wanted. And uh, or and like his Jaime, he just kind of eased into it, you know. If you kind of look, all this, all that stuff just went out, and then he started doing side stories like the Rocky stories and stuff, so he could do science fiction because uh, he 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 did like it. I mean, he still liked doing it, but and that's why, like in his new in the new Love and Rockets, he's got that crazy superhero thing there. So he goes, I needed something to, to to because Maggie and and Ray don't have superpowers anymore, you know, or whatever. So I need to do something just that I can just throw anything, you know, into the mix. And I'm not going to worry about killing off a character or whatever. Anyway, that's his stuff. Anyway, we were down to who now?
1: <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, you're saying that, that, that they didn't really have, you know, obviously much in the way of business acumen in the early days. But you're all very keenly aware of what would potentially move books. I mean, you were looking for that thing to hook readers.
0: Right right and we didn't like i said didn't want to do superheroes but the science fiction stuff i don't know it kind of mixed with the magical realism stuff you know a little bit you know a little bit of the supernatural and a little bit of the alien and and stuff like that uh, me okay there's another thing my first story or the big story about this uh king and an alien and all that stuff i i, I i'm just a big fan of screwball comedy and one of my favorite movies in the world is uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And you've got all these plots converging until they collide and then splintering and then coming back again and stuff. I wanted to do stuff like that, but of course I had no training or anything, so I just, start, just sat down and, you know, seated the pants, you know, gummed it out. And uh, the uh, thing was, and it was inspired also by uh, the news. Uh, when uh, the Shah of Iran got kicked out of uh, Iran, Uh, His vice president, whatever he was or something like that, he kind of stayed to see if he could. But then he went on the run and they found him in a motel in Iowa or something and they assassinated him. And I thought, ooh, that would make a really cool story about a a king, you know, (laughs) stuff. But then I added all the other elements to it just to give it some silliness and comic bookiness to it. I like reading stories with all this odd odd stuff,
1: you know. Sort of like the bombing story there, you know, there's... There's some really interesting kind of macro stuff that you can look at there, you know, in terms of like, what does a king do in a hotel?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he's used to being, you know, uh, called upon. I'm sure nowadays it would be different. You know, everybody's a king, you know, if, of some kind, <laughs> if you got a lot of money. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I don't know, just back, just thought, I, I, I'm I, very political. I've always been really political. Uh, I just needed to take a bite out of all this you know, people running around doing nasty things to each other, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's uh it's, it's, it's an everyday thing, but, uh, anyway, we can move on, I guess.
1: <laughs> Did you consider your work itself to be political?
0: Kinda. Yeah. Here and there, like I said, I say, I stick it to the church every once in a while, all my stories, you know, and, uh, um, uh, I don't know. A lot of it is, and and then there's all the, uh, not non love and rocket stuff. I've, uh, I've always been a big fan of Mad Magazine, and I I always thought I could do a book that would be like Mad Magazine, where I copy everybody's style and I do spoofs on their work. But boy, uh, back in the day, you had you know all these comic strips and stuff, you know, and I guess you you could kind of get away with it. But now, all the all the creators I know are very thin skinned, and they really don't like me <laughs> parodied, you know. <laughs>
1: Your brother, so you can definitely mess with your brothers. It would be interesting to see you do a Love and Rockets parody book.
0: I, I was going to do a story of uh, it was it was called if it was an article called if uh, Charles Dickens wrote uh, Heartbreak Soup, and it was going to be set in Britain and stuff, and uh, <laughs> and I had a name for Luba. Her name was going to be Liza Flatterhoops. You thought about this a bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I have a, you know, I have a lot of epics sitting back here in flat files and stuff, you know, and, uh, hopefully, uh, I, I'll be able to, uh, flesh them out, you know, before too long, uh, any artists out there that, uh, really want to, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm very fair, uh, <laughs> in my rates or whatever, but, uh, you know, just to, to get some of these things out in the world anymore. Um, I've been, I've been sitting out all this time and, uh, I don't know. Now I've got time. So, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I can, I can, I can s- get some of this stuff out that I've been sitting on for a long time. And I have not e- seen anything like these things that I've got. <laughs> I've never, even in movies or whatever, or other comics that I see, I have, don't read everything, but I, th- I thought, ah, eh, this stuff is still pretty good. And if I can get it out there, I will, you know, somehow
1: it's uh, it's comedic. Oh yeah.
0: Well, it's comedic and it's a uh, very. very uh, I, I'm a big fan of the opera, and one of my story, one of those stories that I, I want to do is is like an opera, and uh, it, it's and it plays like an opera. And it has to do with art and circus freaks and uh, revenge and all this stuff, you know, and, and, and it all mixed in and a, you know, very very freaky mixed mixed bag of stuff. Um, anyway, uh, things like that. Uh, and I, I wanted to be weepy, you know, I wanted to be, you know, the tragic and, and all that, you know, because no good deed go un, goes unpunished. And and that's the way you end operas, man, <laughs> until the fat lady sings and dies.
1: <laughs> you were drawing some, some of the strips in the early days. Do you feel like you kind of went as far as you could go with that at the it time? Was
0: just a, it was just a matter of uh, not enough time and not enough time to practice. I had. You know, my kid, my family was growing and I was, you know, just working harder and harder. And, uh, no, and then, and, and just, uh, and then Gilbert would, like I said, he would say, Hey, I'll draw this thing if you want to, you know, if you want to, please, you know, I don't want to write it. Please just, you know, and so I'd do that. Uh, and that's why he did so many of my, uh, a few of my things.
1: It sounds like you were sort of prepared to to exit the book, um, all along that that you weren't expecting to sort of be in involved in, in the long run?
0: How long do I have to carry these guys? I mean, am I right? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) These (laughs) countless hacks. Yeah. (laughs) You know, no, are you kidding? No. And and I, and I, you know, you, you get to the point where, you know, like, you know what, I'm never going to reach there. I'm not going to reach that, you know, I'll get, I'll get close and then maybe I'll get, you know, whatever. But I'm never going to reach that net or that those guys have, man. So you just kind of, you know, and then work and then old age comes along. And I said, I don't want to, I don't want a second job anymore. I'll just, I'll step away for a while, see what happens. You know,
1: I've tried to be better in my life about like being happy for people's successes and, and not, you know, not, not, not being jealous, but I mean, was it, was that hard to sort of watch them take off the way they
0: did? Oh yeah, are you kidding? Yeah, everyone's. Yeah, I'm the one like I'm the oldest. I'm. I should be leading them, you know. But uh, no, I, I I could tell, and I'm I'm humbled by it, you know, that that they that they had come so far, and became so not totally professional, but just very good, very damn good,
1: you know. What's uh? So what job did you end up taking?
0: Oh, I've been I've been I was a contractor for many years, and then uh, mostly. And worked for contractors, and then uh, towards the end, I was uh, I worked in uh, homeless uh, housing, transitional housing, and uh, uh, hospice. I was just I don't know, give to the community. Although the community, sometimes you don't know if they're really worth it. But uh, <laughs> no, it was uh, it was okay. It was just very a, a really stressful job uh, to dealing with 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 people, and and it really taught me a lesson. Don't become homeless, man. <laughs> Do <Don't> not. not. <laughs> if you can help it,
1: I wasn't planning to. But yeah, no,
0: no, no, no. I'm just saying. I, I just no. I know
1: uh, it's it's, but it's like a feedback loop, right? It's like once you're in that position, it's 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 almost impossible to get out of.
0: Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it is is just bad luck. A lot of people that I ran into, all of it was just bad luck. But uh, you know, uh, you know, when they get sick, this bill doesn't get paid. That's up you can't pay your rent. You get kicked out. You stay with some people, you know, and it just went like that. Da 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 da. da. Anyway, there's stories in there, but sad ones. I, I just didn't, you know, and especially with kids, a lot of teenagers. I broke broken heart. I, I couldn't work in it anymore. <laughs> Too soft hearted.
1: <laughs> I came from a a, a middle class family and I've I've mm-hmm. mostly done all right. And it's something that really took me a long time to really understand what it means when people say that it's expensive being poor.
0: Yeah. yeah but uh i don't know we got comics you
1: go from helping the unhoused people to to hospice i mean these are both jobs that i think a lot of people are hesitant i mean i as as hard as it is being around unhoused people and and seeing that 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 kind of depressive state that they're in i mean i can't imagine dealing with people at end of life
0: well, yeah, and you know, what the the place I was working at was uh, a bunch of guys that uh, had uh, outlived their AIDS uh their AIDS thing their uh, uh, diagnosis by 30 years, you know. So they were just waiting, you know, and they've been waiting for years cuz all the drugs that they take they, they would take bucket loads of drugs to keep them alive and it kept them alive. Keeps them alive. Some of those guys I bet you are still around. And I've been out of there for about 5 years now, but I bet you they're still around
1: some of them. What's happened in terms of you know eight specifically of just going from you know i mean obviously absolutely something you don't want to get but not a life sentence in the way that it was you know 10 15 years ago
0: sure yeah so um i don't know man i keep saying it comics
1: (laughs) it's comics but it was comics and music for a while right
0: oh the music okay the music thing uh That was, uh, that's been very, that's very close to what, you know, especially like when the boys were doing that, they were right in the midst of the LA scene when it first started with the police riots and all this stuff, breaking up punk shows and all that stuff. And then just the fabulous punk shows that got put on when, you know, when you came out of a show, the band would come out and hand you a flyer for their next show, you know, and you could talk to them out in the street. You know, it was, it was that kind of time. And, uh, and uh, you know it was uh, it was really exciting. I I, was, I I had a family and stuff, and I, I would get in every once in a while. But uh, you know, uh, me and Gilbert had gone to concerts during the glitter era and stuff. Saw dozens and dozens of bands, man. Everybody, Monte Hoopo, everybody. Uh, and oh, so, you're you're talking glam, glam. Yeah, we're talking glam. We're talking glam, and we, we went to it because LA was a is a big was a big town that had a bunch of places you can go see these guys and you know tickets back then were like six bucks seven bucks <laughs> you know going to like the whiskey oh yeah the, my famous whiskey story is uh, I went to go see Ray Manzarek after the doors had broken up and he was putting out his piddly little albums and I was into them and I, was hoping he, I was hoping to hear some Doorsy kind of stuff you know <laughs> and, uh, and I went to go see him at the whiskey and he, he was playing his show and who would show up but Iggy Pop and he got up on the stage, and they just kind of chatted for a second. And they turned around, and they whipped into "LA Woman," and with Iggy doing the vocals and magic. What the hell can you say, man? <laughs> it was that's incredible, was incredible. And of course, Iggy at the time he used to scare the shit out of me, so we didn't stay for the second show. I, I kicked myself to this day. He he so scared me just doing this one this one thing. I just thought, yeah you know, that's too much. I'm a sensitive rock.
1: I mean, obviously like people know he was, he could be a lot of control on stage, but I don't think people really respect the extent of it. I mean, there were like, you know, stories of him playing in front of, in front of bikers and, you know, picking up the bottles they threw at him and, and slashing his own chest. I mean, he was really. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. The punk stuff, you know, it was very influential. Um, uh, in fact, I was just, I just picked this off the, I picked this off the, uh, the wall way out somewhere.
1: I had, I had her on the show a couple of years ago. Uh, Penelope Houston was on the show.
0: Yeah. Penelope. I I know Penelope. I'm living in San Francisco. So,
1: so you're, you're in San Francisco currently?
0: No, no. I'm in Portland, but don't tell anybody. (laughs) No, San Francisco. I'm sorry, man. It's going to take a good. It's going to take a good ten years to come back to anything. I'm sorry.
1: I'm from the Bay Area originally. Wow. I'm out in New York now, but I'm from the okay. East Bay originally. So, like, okay, it's one of those.
0: It's sad over there, man. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> deeply loving that city. I mean, it is a wonderful yes. Ooh, city, and it's a beautiful I spent place.
0: Years there, man. You know. That's the 30 years of my life that's half my life of i i lived 30 years in oxnard and i lived 30 years in san francisco so wow you know uh i loved it too i love the town i just wish you would the people that run the thing would know what they were doing it's, it's, you know whatever
1: the wealth gap but also like you know being able to like you, you to walk to to be across the street from twitter's headquarters and just watching somebody mm. like you know, <laughs> taking a shit in the street. I mean it's yeah, like exactly. it couldn't be more plain in front of you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh it's I, such I'm a bummer. again. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. It's just that they uh, it, uh here is not too much better, believe me. There's there's moments. In fact, one time when I first got here, I heard some homeless lady was yelling, just yelling, fuck you, you know, screw you, screw you. And I turn around and, I, and then I thought, I'm home. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I'm back in the mission where I used to work Where every day, you know, you be cursed out for nothing, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: Are you in Portland proper?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I landed here a few years ago, uh, and I and I I'm, I'm glad I I sat co- out COVID here. It was it was a little better because I could get out and and take hikes out into the mountains and stuff. Uh, so that was nice to be here for that. I mean, you know, COVID wasn't nice, but
1: uh, like I said, I live in Queens now, so it's it was kind of <sighs> it, it's it's an impossible place to have lived in the last couple of years, and and mm-hmm. to wonder. I mean, I'm sure San Francisco, not that Portland's cheap exactly, but. San Francisco is the same in that, you know, at a certain point you start to wonder like, why am I paying this much for rent if I'm not actually leaving my apartment?
0: Right. Well, I'm here because my, el- my, my wife's parents are very elderly and now, you know, we're, we're going to be take, taking care of that. Uh, so, but you know, she says, if I, if you don't have to work, if, if we move, is that okay? And I go, let's, when do we leave? You know? <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> you mean I won't have to get on the bus again thank you thank you to God.
1: <laughs> What does a day look like for you these days
0: me oh no, just you know lots of uh, uh, reading stuff uh some TV uh I do some drawing and and some and I and I re, re uh, reshuffle some things and put new ideas in some of the old envelopes that i have you know if i if i've thought of some new things and stuff you know these things are still a work in progress in my head but and it's timing one of these days uh, that's the same thing with citizen rex it was just uh uh gilbert this is how it panned out i go gilbert he goes i i I don't want to write it but i'll draw it for you let's do this book for dark horse for a little bit of money okay uh i go what do you what do you not want to do? And he goes, I don't want to draw buildings. <laughs> and I don't want to draw cars. <laughs> and I don't you know, this kind of thing. And I go, okay, science fiction. <laughs> and I go, your version of, of, of the future of, of, of houses and cars and stuff. And he goes, great, fine. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, it was easy. You know?
1: <laughs> that, so it didn't start as science fiction. It kind of evolved into that based on. yeah. What the I uh, get
0: well, an idea. And then I had this idea about the, the famous, the famous robot, you know, and that he's going around pilfering people's clothes for some reason. I don't know. I thought that was a big nice big plot point for some reason. And uh and then uh a, a lot of a lot of the actual pages I had already drawn long time ago and uh, just left them in this envelope and when I gave the sketches to Gilbert he just recreated some of them and uh uh you know it was all my dialogue and stuff except for the best dialogue that he wrote in one panel It was when this guy makes a little speech about being alive or wanting to be alive, and I thought, "Damn it, he just keeps doing this." (laughs) You know, that's the best line in the whole damn book. Can't
1: stop being a genius, and it's really cramping (laughs) my style.
0: Give me a break here.
1: (laughs) What's uh, you know, in terms of the stuff you have behind you, what is what's kind of the longest ongoing project?
0: Uh, Like the opera thing. Because uh, I, I did a story for Dark Horse called uh, Los Malcriados, which is The Brats. And it was about a, a, some circus freaks that uh, were getting mistreated in, uh, in their thing there back in the 1920s or something. I got that idea. And then I thought, well, maybe I could do the opera with circus freaks, you know, use those same characters in, a, in an opera setting. With, with a different plot and all that stuff, but the same characters. I like drawing them. That's what I I liked mostly about it. It's,
1: it's a fascinating subject. Have you read Geek Love?
0: Yes, and that's a, that, that's a book that nobody's ever equaled, you know? Um, and, and the woman, that I, when I moved here to San Francisco, the woman that wrote the book died just as I moved here, or to uh, here, Portland. And uh, yeah, um, and uh, she never wrote anything else except for some book essay, book essay or something. And I remember when the book came out, it was one of those things that you saw in everybody's house. Geek glove was in their, in their shelf.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I probably have it up there somewhere. Yeah, I was like yeah. the, that Donatart book, but but I mean, it's, I think it's a fascinating subject because it can be difficult to do in a humane way. Hmm. Mm.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought it was it would i thought it was neat that the the woman with with uh, no arms was smoking with her feet you know and and the little tiny the the midget woman was married to the giant you know and being able
1: to fully flesh them out and to realize that they're humans and that that they're more than, than than freaks
0: right right more than just their uh their afflictions or whatever uh but uh no i don't know um uh, people always praise me for that. I like when they come up and they, they write. And I've also written a lot of uh, phony legends. And uh, <laughs>
1: what's a phony legend? <laughs>
0: phony legend, like uh, on the back of Love and Rockets. There's a couple of back pages where I did a thing about uh, some uh, some wood that came came comes off this island, and people start to use it. The islanders that that live nearby they use it to uh, make canoes and stuff because the wood returns back to the island where it originated. And so then I wrote that, that Vikings uh, started using it to, to use, and then the ocean and stuff, and la, la, la. And then the finally the island has disappeared. Nobody can find it anymore because it went off into the, the, the stratosphere. It floated away. That's the legend. And I would put stuff like that in 11 Rockets in there because uh, back in the, in the old comics days in the 60s, uh, in the early 60s, they would uh, – the Charlton comics would have these uh, f- science fiction books by Steve Ditko. And, uh, you know, and I was picking those things up. But every once in a while, they would stick in a page where it had a, a one page thing about, uh, you know, some legend like that. And I, I found out years later that they were all lies, they were just made up. You know, but they were played like real. And I was gullible. I was like, oh, yeah, there are things such as time pockets, where if you stand in the wrong place, you'll disappear in front of your family, you know, kind of shit. You know, It was just crazy. And so I started making stuff up like that. And uh, Gilbert put out a book called um, Measles. It was a kid's book that he put out. And it was a, an anthology where everybody could contribute. And I had some stuff in there. And I did a story. Called uh, the maiden of something about the maiden of mud Celestra, and it's drawn in the real old old style, real chunky style with brush and stuff. About in the in the sixteen hundreds, about a uh, a cursed town that has a, a bell. It's a magic bell in the tower, and uh, I don't know. This it's got all sorts of weird little uh, things, and, and I and it, and it ends uh, tragically where this girl has to sacrifice herself to get rid of the. the the magic spell and all this stuff. I showed it to people, and they they all said, "I've never heard of that legend. Where did you get it from? Where did you read it?" And I'm like, no, I made it up.
1: People feeling like it's it must be an established thing. That's that means you've <laughs> yeah, done I it right. So
0: I don't know. I you know I, I just try. I I think those are really cool to do. But I mean, I'm not like trying to fool somebody. You know, into you know whatever. I just I just think it's entertaining to take things that way. I mean, if you look at um, the graphic novels that come out these days. The ones that are bestsellers and stuff, tragic biographies, all tragic biographies. There's no fiction. the The graphic novels that are fiction and stuff are, are, are I don't know, I, I don't see them much. You know, it's always about somebody's life or how they got out of somebody's country or their country and stuff. Which very timely and very important that it happens, but like, where's the fiction, man? Where's the, you know, is 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 a saga the only thing that? You know, is uh, is really blowing up these days. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I have a theory about that, which is, uh, you know, I I think there's still an unspoken stigma about reading comics, about adults reading comics, and that's like, you know, reading it, reading a, a harrowing true story about somebody's, like, reading like, and and obviously this is no shade against it, it's a wonderful book, but reading um, Persepolis, for example, right. you know, all, all of a sudden like brings it up to this this level of legitimacy that it might not have otherwise
0: well you know i mean it's a legitimate story you know and everything and is this person actually lived it and everything but like i'm just i'm just saying where's where's there's room for every more stuff but but you know and maybe it's just not popular i don't know um they would rather read romance books
1: when we get this this episode up we're gonna try to find find the right artist for you because i (laughs) want to see some of your books come to life (laughs) <laughs>
0: that would be great but uh uh i don't know uh, like i said uh, the comics man since i was a kid i was five years old when i got my first comic and uh, you know down the rabbit hole and have never climbed out since you know and so and you know and i and because i've this uh, obs- obsessive personality i uh I, I I just took it to the other level where I had to read anything about comics, went to the library, opened up every encyclopedia where it said comics, and I would read that article. And then I'd go to this section and I'd read every book about comics, even if I didn't understand them. I read uh, Seduction of the Innocent back when I was in middle school, and I didn't get it at all. But I It's thought, not a very oh, good book. I wanted to read all those gory comics. So. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's that thing of when you um when you ban stuff from children like they they seek it out
0: yeah 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 and uh you know it's uh and and, and it was fun one of these days uh, gonna see the light of day an article about how i used to go buy comics uh when i was a, a teenager um uh, i i used to buy them at my corner store and then the corner store stopped carrying magazines and comics and so I had to start going downtown to newsstands. And back then there was a bunch of newsstands still in our town and uh, there was the different owners, the different comics, but distribution was lousy. To get all the Marvel comics, like I would get everything except for Iron Man. so I'd have to go look for Iron Man in another place, you know and uh, that kind of thing. And I had all these places that I could go to and and in the same time i'm I'm going into places that like sell Mexican comic books, you know just a big array of Mexican comics and I'm like, "What the heck?" and so I'm buying that too you know and uh you know and and they, a lot of them are serialized and I've got stacks of some of these that were just you know a hundred issues of something you know uh, these little tiny little little things it all it done in sepia tone you know and uh I don't know. It was good times, man. Lots to buy, and at the same time, I was buying a lot of rock and roll records too. So it all was hand in hand. You know, you got Beefheart, you got Marvel, you got whatever. You know, <laughs>
1: were, were those Mexican comics? I mean, is that kind of was was that part of maybe the genesis of of Palomar or some of sort of the more Latin American flavored stuff that was going it might on? Be. Rock- uh,
0: when when we were teenagers and uh, uh, drinking illegally, me and Gilbert. Uh, it would, would be, we we're the closest to each other, so we were always partying together. And I remember him just, you know, spouting like, no, comics are supposed, you know, he's like all of 17, 16 years old, you know. And he's like, no, comics are supposed to be about poor people in Mexico and blah, 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 you know, and stuff. And he's just going on and on about it. I'm like, okay, okay. And then he'd tell me little stories that he wanted to do and stuff. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know. And then years later, here they come out and love rockets, you know. He had all these things stored up in his in his That's damn wild. brain. This Einstein of comics, man. <laughs> he's also
1: you're not super dissimilar but yours are in you know stacks behind you
0: well yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, you know and gilbert is also a encyclopedic uh a, a knowledge of uh of old monster movies and i'm talking about the real creaky ones uh and uh the ones from the and the ones they all make fun of on mystery science theater or whatever and just by watching them on tv he memorized a lot of this stuff and he and you and i'll i'll go like hey brain from pounded aris what what about it and he's like oh well blah 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 and so and so is in it Brian Don and blah, 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 you know or whoever's in it and uh you know he'll just go on and on about it and i just think okay thanks i'll watch it you know <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> he doesn't have to look it up or anything <laughs>